Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week 7, day 1 of our study of 1st and 2nd Timothy. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about 2nd Timothy 1, 1 through 5. Well, welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to check out all the resources we have over at 10weekbible.com. We need to know the Bible now more than ever. So it may be your time to start leading a Bible study group at your church or in a small group or in your home. I really want to encourage you to think about doing that. Uh, to find out where uh, about all of our resources for that, go to 10weekbible.com. All right, with that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with with the knowledge of you today. We want to know your word. We want to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is 2 Timothy 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So obviously we know that this is written by Paul. We've already gone through the six chapters of 1 Timothy, and now we're starting into the second book of Timothy, the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. There's several things that we know about in this letter. We know that a considerable amount of time has passed between Paul's first letter and this one. A lot of scholars believe that Paul was writing this. We, we know he's writing it in Rome. A lot of people believe that he was writing it right before he was sentenced to death. Now, there's some debate over this, and there's debate on uh, over this amongst Bible-believing scholars. And I always like to point this out. There are Bible-believing scholars, and there are not Bible-believing scholars, meaning scholars, b- biblical scholars who write uh, biblical commentaries and and academic things that you can you can find you can search. There's those that actually believe in God and believe in the God of the Bible and they believe that Scripture is God breathed and is is infallible. And then there are those that that there are some scholars that believe in God, but maybe they don't believe that the Bible is infallible. They think well, that's a good book, and there's some things that are off and this this and that. And then there are people that don't believe in God and obviously don't believe that the Bible is infallible. Uh, so there's kind of those three categories. <clears throat> I, I do enjoy, I, I like reading what all three types of scholars have to say, but I also I always keep in my mind who's saying it and, and what perspective they're coming from. And so if they're a, a scholar, someone who studied scripture in the ancient languages, and they don't believe in God and they don't believe in the Bible, but they're they've given their life to studying this. They may have something interesting. They may have discovered something interesting about it, but I always make sure that I understand that that that's where they're coming from when I'm reading whatever they have to say. The people that I put the most stock in, obviously, are the people who believe in God and believe that God's word, the Bible, is infallible in, in its original language. And so... <clears throat> That's the, the the people that I'm talking about here, the people that believe in God and believe that the Bible is infallible in its original languages. Those are the scholars I'm talking about that, that there's some debate over when Paul died and when he might have written this letter. In the end, Paul, we're going to find out that he's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm close to death. I'm on my way out here. And he understands that. So we can take him at his word. It might be that 
that he sees the writing on the wall, what's going to happen before Caligula, Caesar Caligula. It might be that he's getting older. It, it might be that, you know, he's assuming that he's going to be sentenced to death and maybe he doesn't. There's, there's two camps and the, the, most of the people that biblical scholars, when they try and date when Paul died, they think that Paul probably died when he stood before Emperor Caligula the first time. Uh, a smaller number, but not not. You know, it's not like five percent of scholars. It's a it's a pretty sizable number, but smaller think that Paul was basically you know, Caligula saw him the first time and said, no, nah, you don't, you didn't do anything deserving of death after this whole, this whole thing where he was in the book of Acts, where he got accused, arrested, spent two years in prison in Israel, and then shipped overseas, shipwrecked, ended up in Rome for a couple of years before he, he saw Caesar. <clears throat> Some people think he died right then. Other people believe that Caligula, I believe it was Emperor Caligula the first time said, no, you didn't do anything deserving of death. And then sent him on his way. And, and Paul makes mention several times that he wanted to go to Spain. So some people believe he went to Spain and then just so happened to be coming back through Rome on his way back to Jerusalem. And at this point, Peter was the, the pastor of the church of Rome at this point. The, the apostles had moved around at this point. So Peter was the apostle of the church of Rome. And then Paul just happened to be coming back through and he knew he was there to say hi and, and, and fellowship with them. And at that point, and we do know that this happened to Peter because we know that he was, he was the, the pastor of the church in Rome. And so we know that this happened to Peter. And some people believe that Paul got swept up in this as well, is when Caligula did actually completely lose his mind. Rome burned, and then he blamed it on the Christians, uh, all of the Christians that they could round up in, in the city of Rome. And, and there were lots that hid in the catacombs in different places, but all of the Christians they could round up, they crucified and and lit on fire, literally lit on fire. They said that Caligula lit the city of Rome with burning Christians. They'd burn them alive and use them as street lamps kind of thing. So this is just a horrible, horrible situation. And some people believe that Paul got caught up in that. Most people that believe that Paul is, is writing this in his first encounter, there are some people I think would say that he, he was writing this maybe the second time that he got rounded up when death was almost certain. The the when Caligula uh, Caligula rounded all these people up, <clears throat> that it, it was pretty certain that they were all going to die, and so that's the context of Paul writing this. This uh, in almost every scholar's mind, this is Paul knowing that this is probably the last opportunity he's going to be able to write to Timothy about anything. And we see that Paul is saying, if you're going to come, come quickly. And that's probably one of the, the ways that we would say, well, it's probably not the second time, right? Um, if he's saying, hey, we're all going to die, so come join us. Probably not then probably not under those circumstances. And so there's there's some competing ideas going on there. But whenever he wrote it, Paul feels like, whether it's prophetic or not, he feels like he's probably going to be sentenced to death. Now, again, depending on where you land historically with all of that, we don't have perfect information. We only have uh, historical traditions to go off of. <clears throat> Either way, Paul 
is no longer alive. And so he knows that he's on his way out. And this is, in his mind, his last letter to Timothy before he dies. And so we need to read that, read this, this book with that in mind. All right, continuing on, verse three. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul is speaking directly to Timothy here. This is not the the church where Timothy is presenting over. He's speaking directly to Timothy. And he's saying, I have been praying for you, Timothy. And he's already called Timothy like his son. Paul had no children. So Timothy is as a, a spiritual son to Paul. <clears throat> he's, he's saying that he prays night and day. He prays without ceasing for Timothy. That's a, that's a really, that's a, a big thing to say. That's a really, really big thing to say. And it's not clear if Paul is being hyperbolic or not here. And and in a sense, obviously it is hyperbolic because he's not praying continually. He's not praying for him in his sleep. He's not praying for him every single moment of every day. So in that way, it obviously is hyperbolic. But at the same time, he's he's probably being at least somewhat genuine as like, I pray for you many, many times a day, during the day, during the night. I think that's what Paul is saying. I think many people would agree that's that's kind of where Paul is is going with this. Obviously not 24-7. No one can physically do that, at least not for long. But he's praying for him a whole bunch, more than I think the implication here is Paul saying, I pray for you, Timothy, more than anybody or anything else. I pray for you. And then he reminds him, of tears that Timothy is is probably shed for Paul and for the Lord. And then he reminds him of his, his mother and his grandmother and how they have loved the Lord and served the Lord. And I find it kind of interesting that Paul says it this way. He's, he says, you know, there was faith in, you know, your grandmother and then in your mother. And now I'm persuaded it's in you as well. I just find that very strange, very strange way for Paul to say that. I mean, this is the the last letter, one of them, but potentially the last time Paul's going to communicate with Timothy. He's known him. He's a spiritual son to him. And so to, to say, you know, he's persuaded that it's the, the, that same faith is in him. It's almost like there was a chance that it wasn't. I, I just find this very peculiar. And, and I've tried to wrap my head around why Paul would have said this in particular. You know, whenever I'm reading very personal things like this, that, you know, Paul or anyone else in the Bible has written specifically to one other person, it it can be in a proverbial nature applied to me, but Paul is obviously not speaking to me. This is not a broad generality. So I like to try and get inside his head. Like, what was he thinking? What was he feeling when he said this? Because I think that can be one of the big takeaways that that we can understand is is in our dealings with other people and dealings with spiritual sons and daughters and, and, and actual sons and daughters, 
the way that we love on them, the way that we speak to them, the way we instruct them. How, how can we learn from Paul in this way? And again, I've tried to wrap my mind around why Paul says this, this specific way. And I, I haven't really come to a definite conclusion. I, 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 I really just tried to ingest this and figure out why he would say it like this. And it might be that, that Timothy, he, he loved his grandmother and mother, and maybe he and Paul had conversations, you know, and maybe Timothy said something to effect of, you know, if, if I could become half the Christian that my mother is, half the Christian that my grandmother is, I'd, I'd be doing well. And maybe, maybe Timothy had said something like that to Paul at some point in the past. And maybe that's what Paul is getting at. Again, it feels like there's something deeply personal here, the way, the way that he's saying it, that I don't have access to. It's an extra biblical conversation between Paul and Timothy. I feel like that's what Paul is getting at here, but I don't know. It's an extra biblical thing. There's no other explanation of why Paul said this the way that he said it, but I'm always fascinated by these things. I, I truly, truly am. And, and I never want to not be fascinated by, by scripture itself. And I would encourage you as, as you read through it, don't be afraid to ask questions of, of scripture itself. Why on earth would Paul write it this way? Lord, why did Paul say this, this way? Help me understand. That's the kind of dialogue that, that actually causes us to grow and, and, and causes that, uh, that natural dialogue, that natural meditation on God's word, when we keep filling our minds with it over and over. And again, I encourage you to read this the 10 times in the 10 weeks we're going through it. We're in week uh, seven now. And so there's this week and then three more weeks to get the books of first and second Timothy in you. And the more you do it, the more those kind of questions come up and the more natural it is to ask those kinds of questions and dialogue with the Lord about those things. I encourage you to do that. Be fascinated with God's word. I want to be fascinated by God's word and I want you fascinated with it as well. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.